This is the Oh my god, the beauty of singing your own intro. Oh, what a dream. What a dream. I I don't go to the University of Maryland anymore, so they uh, cut my access to uh, the Adobe Creative Cloud, so I don't have any audio editing software anymore. So we can't put music into our intro or cut anything out. So if I closed my eyes, it sounded like somebody was playing a bass right there. (laughs) Oh, what a dream. Like, like I think, I think if I went and like plucked along Zach's like the bridge of his nose as if it were strings on a string instrument, it would sound like a bass. It is, it is, it is kind of beautiful, and I kind of love it because now it makes the intro unique for every single listening. It'll never be the same twice, and I think that it encourages the listener to keep coming back. <laughs> How will Zach inflect the next week? We I mean, not have. I know you meant the listener general, but I would really enjoy it if it was just like the listener. Our list, our, our audience is one third the size of our, our production crew. Yeah, no. I, His name's John. He's determined that he's going to listen to every Spotify podcast. He and, does uh, not get out very much. In case you're wondering how cool we are, it is a Friday night at 930. Uh, <laughs> We are all in our early 20s, but we are here recording this podcast for you, Mom. And uh, We're recording it from the club. I'm kidding. My mom doesn't even listen. Record it because we love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we forgot to do it this week because I kind of lost track of days because today is technically my Wednesday, but it is what it is. Uh, also, you- who keeps track of days anymore? How are you guys doing? How's life in Cali Pete? Um, I'm still processing emotions from the Super Bowl. I'm processing emotions of a different kind. But just uh, like we all, um, yeah, just like <laughs> that wasn't even like I would feel weird about that Super Bowl, even if it were two teams about which I had no emotions, just because it was it was a bad game. Yeah, yeah. Really- so I was listen. I said it last week on the pod. If the Bucks wanted to win, they had to play a perfect game, which they did pretty much. And also, the Chiefs didn't have an offensive line, which also... That is another good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, getting on Mahomes, Mahomes balled out. Like, yeah, listen, Mahomes was the best hit, terrible game Mahomes was hitting had. receivers in the hands on plays. He had no business getting the ball out. Yeah. Uh, and nobody could catch. I mean, I, I feel good about my prediction from last week. My score was dead wrong, but I did say hey, that. My, hey, mine was 10-7. I was almost right on one of the teams. I got the Buccaneers score exactly right. So, yeah, I, I so was, half I was, credit. I was dead wrong on my actual score <laughs> and winner prediction, but I did say that if the Bucs defense shows up, it's going to get ugly. And the Bucs defense certainly showed up, and it certainly got ugly. Right after the game, because obviously I don't like Tom Brady or really anyone on the Buccaneers. So I said, I'm happy for Jason Pierre-Paul and nobody else. That's it. Shady won another ring without really playing anything. So that's cool. He's won. It it is a shame, though. It it sucks that they actually, like, dressed him for the game. Um, because Shady was about to become the first player in NFL history to win back-to-back Super Bowls, despite not having been dressed for either game. <laughs> but then the Bucs are like, no, we might need him, and then didn't play him. So he technically... Well, they only used two running backs. Yeah, but it, it's just, it sucks that he was about to get, like, one of the weirdest, like, you won two rings, but literally contributed nothing. Well, uh, <laughs> let me put it this way, Tom Brady is now only three Super Bowls away from being the first player in NFL history to have a ring for every finger, which is a wrong fact because Jason Pierre-Paul uh, just accomplished that. Um, how many fingers does he have left? It was a joke because he has no, left. I, no, no, no. I know that it was a joke. It was a perfectly serviceable joke, but it made me wonder the valid question of how many fingers does he have left? I think on the one hand, he's got two and a half. I think on the other hand, he's got all five. So yeah. So yeah. So I guess eight eight, eight, was eight eight and a half. Eight, seven and a half. Did he, was he on the Giants when they they beat the Patriots the second time? The second time, yes. Not the first time. Yeah. I knew there was one of the good, because both of those teams had insane defensive lines. I think OCU and Euro might've been on both. I think OCU Minora and Justin Tuck were on both. And then I think Strahan was replaced by JPP. OC, OC was on both. And let yeah. me see Justin Tuck. OCU Minora haunts my nightmares. He like, I, he does. 
that whole D line haunts my nightmares. Justin Tuck was also on both. Like I hate Jeremy Shockey. That's a name. Jeremy Shockey was also on those teams, but he, <laughs> yeah, he was. He had a cool name. That's the only yeah. reason I know who Jeremy I mean, Shockey there's was. There's no real reason. What to was know. he? Was he? Was he tight end? Yeah, he was a tight yeah, end. He played for the the Giants and the Saints. And we I always used to confuse him with Greg Olson, just because I think they're had, in a, like okay. That first Super Bowl Olsen. had a very old, old Michael Strahan. Uh, oh, didn't know that. Um, yeah, what I would say about the Super Bowl is it wasn't like because the only Super Bowl I can compare it to, at least that we've been alive for, was the Seahawks Broncos one. But the Seahawks Broncos one, like I saw a tweet during the game that I agreed with, which was just like there have been no memorable plays in that game. Like there was like, by the end of the game, I was like, okay, it's 31 to nine. Safety, but, like, right? but yeah, but no, but in the, in the, in, in this game, they were ah, saying there were yeah, yeah, oh, very, very forgettable Super Bowl. Yes. But in like, cause there's the, the, like the other Super Bowls that have had one or both teams play terrible offense in our lifetimes. Patriots Rams had at least a few memorable plays for Patriots fans. Mm. Seahawks Broncos was weird and also had, I mean, you had the the safety on the first play of the game. You had Percy Harvin return a kick for a, for a touchdown. Um, that was actually, I didn't, I had forgotten this, but two years in a row, the opening kick of the second half of the Super Bowl was brought back for a touchdown because mm. in the Ravens 49ers, uh, Jacoby Jones ran it back. And then you have like both of the past giant Super Bowls were like nobody scored, but they were engaging games. Yeah. And I mean, even in what I will personally consider is probably the most boring Super Bowl I ever saw in, in Broncos Panthers, just because it was kind of, a, it wasn't even a defensive battle. It just felt ugly for everybody. That, and I was like, that you have, competitive. Yeah, exactly. You have it's, it's entire a first game. The entire first half of Broncos and Panthers uh, was played during the daytime. That was weird. Well, it was the halftime. Was that the Coldplay halftime? Show? Yeah, the, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Coldplay where they were like Beyonce yeah, is it was featuring, cold. and I was like, "You're an idiot." And it was just five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it yeah, was just it was like weird. the daytime, and they were doing the halftime show, and I was like, "This feels." I kind of liked it, if I'm being honest. I like because I'm a fan in like base because baseball is the only other outdoor sport that we care about. I like I. I wouldn't want like game seven of the world series. I like when like game four of the ALDS is a day game. Oh, I love that too. Or, like game five yeah. of the NLCS is like a day game. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind a playoff. Game. Playoff games I think can be fun. They so, don't, I'm not a huge fan for the Super Bowl. Somebody they, always says for me. And for like, but it's, it's big games. Yeah, should be it's nice. tough to, it's tough to separate though, just because that was a terrible game. But also like the, the difference was this one, was like the Bucks defense played well, but it wasn't like when you were watching the the Broncos defense just eat Cam Newton alive. I mean, the the Broncos offense was terrible too, but at least you had that sense of like I am watching a historically good unit absolutely shut someone down. Like I'm biased, but also in the Patriots Rams one, you were like this is a defensive clinic. In in yeah. the the like. The, the, the watching the Chiefs offense felt like that scene in the one South Park episode where Dan Snyder is the only Washington football player who comes out and they just, hot, he calls hot, 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 and then just a whole defense just pot left. Mahomes did not have a prayer on most of those plays. Like we've all, I he think. He put together some of the most single-handed, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of the throws he put on the numbers the Chiefs was directly the, in the face mask. Yeah, are some of the most impressive throws I've ever seen. Everybody's going to talk about the falling down throw. Everybody's going to talk about the one to the corner. But I just think generally in and out, Mahomes, every single pass was right on the money. If you come out of that game blaming Mahomes, I think you watched wrong. Yeah. Like normally, normally I'll say you watched it differently. But in this case, if you come out and you're like, yeah. Mahomes, if you say Mahomes choked or Mahomes folded there, you're wrong. Because yeah. every single player on that team let him down. Yeah, and he was playing through a bunch of injuries he shouldn't have been playing through. If you look at the Chiefs and, and you're like, oh, what do we have to do better to win the Super Bowl next year? Like, really not, like, play a little better in the Super Bowl. Stay like, healthy. Yeah, yeah, stay healthy. Like, 
Like if they have their, like they didn't have either of the starting tackles and the Buccaneers edge rushers shredded them. If they have their tackles, it's a totally different game because once like once they got through a couple of drives and a couple of punts, the play calling is going to change. The way you're running the plays that are called is going to change because if you're like, if you're Mahomes and you are expecting you start the play, you're like, okay, Tyree kills running a streak, but even if he's open, I'm not going to be able to look to him because I'm going to be running for my life. Yeah. That impacts the play. And if you're Eric B and Andy Reed, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, I have to call different plays because I don't want a, I want to have a better chance of them succeeding and B my franchise quarterback to be decapitated. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, and I, I had made the comment before the game because we were watching some of the pregame footage and I'm like, yeah, well, the game plan is double Tyree kill. And I was like, yeah, that's a valid game plan. But that begs the question of what do you do about Travis Kelsey? And apparently what you do about Travis Kelsey is just drape a dude over him and he vanishes. Uh, he disappeared. He had an early drop and then he, he had a couple of like mildly big catches. He had one of those, like, it was like an NBA game where a team's losing by 50 and a guy scores like 25 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's like, he had a 45 point game. And it's like, yeah, but, but did he, he got it? He got it when everybody on the other team was checked out. Yeah. Like, listen, when you're obviously the chief's offense is built around the big plays down to Tyreek Hill. And that's not a surprise to anybody, but when your safety valve is a dude like Travis Kelsey, who can create something out of nothing, like he can, when you double cover the guy the offense is built around, you can't do that. And then when your safety valve can't catch and your quarterback can't stand still for a half a second, what are what is the offense supposed to do? You could ask run the ball. Uh, but they tried that and that didn't, and work, that didn't either. work either. No. Because again, the to run the ball, is, you need to block. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. So that was the one thing I did enjoy. Like I didn't have any reservations about a, a few reservations, but watching Gronk outplay Kelsey that badly, just like a Gronk who was like retired last year and came back and was like sending fake videos of him doing sprints to the coaches. Cause he didn't feel like doing all the conditioning in the off season to see him outplay Kelsey. Cause I've always hated Kelsey in the same, like I dislike him. Cause I think he's, he's kind of annoying, but also, you know how when you have a player you really love who's elite and then everybody's like, oh, this other guy is better? Yes. It's the same way I felt like when Pedroia and Robinson Cano were both in their prime. I hated Robinson Cano because he was on the Yankees. I hated Robinson Cano because he was good. But I really, the thing that always got to me about Robinson Cano was the number of people who were like, he's so much better than Pedroia. And I was like, no. Yeah. And, and, and to, because... <laughs> He's more talented. I'd still rather have Pedroia on my team, but that's a separate issue. Oh, me too. And and Cano did a ton of steroids, but whatever. That's also true. Yeah, and because I know- We don't know a ton. There's a whole thing about how Cano and Melky Cabrera and whoever, like they were all good before they came up to the majors. And then they got to the majors, got even better. And that's because their teammates that they were super close with were Alex Rodriguez and Jason Giambi. Cabrera got busted- in he was where san francisco san francisco or kansas city he was gonna win the batting title yeah i think he actually did technically i think he qualified before he got suspended i think he technically won a batting title yeah which is the weird that was still the weirdest one for me of just like you got busted for steroids and you're hitting like 360 with 12 homers and it's like you probably could have done that anyway if you could do it uh, before we go to baseball uh colin i think you had one more thing on the super bowl yeah, I mean, I'm just saying any Chiefs fan that accidentally stumbles across this, I feel like is going to ask the question of flags. Um, yeah, I mean, any you know, there you are know, questions, obviously, about... Tom Brady playing, you have to assume there's some cheating going on. The calls were... <laughs> the calls were uneven, and some of the calls on the Chiefs were ticky-tack, but at the end of the day of... If anybody's going to say this game was decided by calls, I don't think you were watching the game properly, because... Calls might have affected it in the first half, but, you know, it's it's kind of the same argument I made to the Packers not too, too long ago of just like, yeah, calls played a big deal in the way the game kind of shaped out, but it's very clear that even in an even playing field, uh, you guys were not set up to win this game. Yeah. Now, there's one last thing I want to address about the Super Bowl, and that is 
I don't like Tom Brady for many reasons. And just about every single one of those reasons is why he won the Super Bowl <laughs> this year. And one of those reasons because he won the Super Bowl this year. He is just too good. And I mean, yeah, he's he's just he could go ten more years if he plays the way he played on Sunday. Penalties aside, competition aside, his his teammates aside, that dude balls out. And then as much as I hated him and I was like mad, man, did I enjoy watching him in the boat parade? <laughs> it's such a it's such a weird feeling watching Brady because you watch him in the regular season, and like last year he looked mortal. Two years ago he looked like he was slowing down. This year there were long stretches where he looked done and then he puts this together and you're like, I don't, I don't have a measuring stick for this guy anymore. Like, before, it would be like Oh man, his play's going to drop off and it never did. Now it's like his play's going to drop off and it does for like six weeks. And then he like turns a dial and he's like, okay, so I'm just going to be the clutchest on the planet and just do everything I need to and not a thing more it's, and I've, everything. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching this my whole life. It's insane because I, you've seen people who can turn it around like in a season. Like I've seen that, like the example I always go to is David Ortiz in 2010 and 2011. He ended the both of those seasons with like 35 homers and both years he was hitting like 120 with one homer at the end of April. So there are guys who can turn it on in a season, but he'll do it in a game. Like he looked, People were talking about like that Falcon Super Bowl is a great example. Or like there was a Sunday night game in 2013 against the Broncos where Peyton Manning, this was the year he threw 55 touchdowns and they went up 24 nothing at halftime and we came back and won in overtime. And just like he will look like we'll be getting we would be getting blown out on a specific day. And you're like, okay, it is not his day. And the fact that he can flip the switch that quickly is was always insane to me. Yeah, I don't remember the exact statistic, but there was something that, like, into week six, people are like, Brady's deep ball is done. He's like, oh, people have been saying that since like 2015. I mean, yes, but there was like a stat where they're like, he hasn't hit a receiver on a pass over yeah. 20 yards all season going into week six. And everybody's like, well, it's clear the age has hit him. He can't throw the deep ball anymore. It's over. And then once everybody wrote these exposés about him, the very next week, he just started putting it together and he ended the season as one of the best deep ball QBs in the league. And it's one of those of like, it seems like father time gets him every year. And then he just fights him off somehow in the middle of the season. And I just can't gauge it anymore. Like I still, that's why I hate him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still actually, uh, and we can move on to to something else after this, but I was going to bring up something that will make Colin happy, which was, I think part of the reason that Eagles Super Bowl hurt so much. It's just that fumble wasn't something he does. Like that was that play where Brandon Graham stripped him. That was the sort of thing where in the Super Bowl documentary after the season, you have the coaches talking about, oh, we worked with, you know, waterlogged footballs. So we weren't going to fumble. That was when we're like the guy strips along. Cause literally in his, the, the, in Super Bowl 36 against the Rams, the first play of the drive where he went down to get the game winning field goal, he almost got strip sacked and he brought the ball away and made a throw. So just, it was one of those things where you're like, every logical thing says the guy comes in unblocked and hits him like that. He's going to fumble. Yeah. And that's what happened. But just sitting there at the time, I was like, A, this is terrible. But B, I just like didn't understand it. Yeah. I didn't see it. I didn't realize what was happening until afterwards. I was pacing around my apartment having heart palpitations and was happened to be facing the wrong direction during that play and turned around to hysterics. And I was very confused until the replay shade showed. Ben, it's just two touchdowns of Brady to Gronk and you as a Patriots fan are expected to enjoy it. Like, no, I couldn't like, you have to tell, I mean, come on, you're happy for Brady. Like, whenever he's old and taking those pictures there's gonna be at least one ring yeah no i don't i don't really feel any particular way like i once he left it doesn't matter to me if he succeeds or not yeah like it 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 would if he had gone to tampa bay and been terrible it would have hurt to see like one of my childhood like icons being bad he's gone there and obviously played really well that hurts too because he's doing it for somebody else 
but there's been a lot of like among Boston fans, there's been a lot of people who are like, if you don't root for Brady, you're a bad fan. And it's just like, no, like it, we, I, you don't have any obligation to root for the guy after he's left your team. Absolutely. I think if you're, I think if you're like, screw this guy, like I will never, you know, celebrate any of those six Super Bowl wins again, then I think you're stupid. But like, I, I don't feel, I think people who were celebrating like, oh my God, we got another ring. It's like, no, no, he got another ring. And I, we, you could be happy for him all you want. But I, I, cause I think that if you, I mean, I guess it's your right. If you want to say, you know what? I grew up and I was more a Brady fan than a Patriots fan. So now I'm just going to follow him. I would find that a little bit obnoxious, but you know, go with <laughs> Vishal. Vishal. That is true. Shouts to Vishal, the LeBron, LeBron fan. fan. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, I think sort of having that reaction of like, it's, it's not, I, I think a lot of people have made it a reflection of how you are as a Patriots fan, how you feel about this. And I'm like, no, it's a reflection of how you feel about Brady. If you feel he wronged the team or whatever, I disagree with you, but you're within your rights to be like, oh, I hope he's not as good. Because like, it, it, it's, I feel like it's a lot easier if you're a 49, like it's going to be a lot easier 20 years from now if you're a 49ers fan to be like, yeah, Joe Montana played for the Chiefs but he never won anything as opposed to we're like, yeah, he left. And now he's a franchise legend for them too. Yeah. I mean, it's Tom not. Brady's not nearly the level of franchise legend in Tampa as he is. in No. Unless he wins six rings with Tampa, but we will see. So speaking of. Wait, speaking I have one last question for Ben. I had one last quick question, Ben. Just answer me yes or no. If you take this past season's Patriots team, take out Cam Newton, put in Tom Brady, are they that much better? Like, no. Even, okay. No. no. The, skill, the skill group, Cam Newton was not the biggest problem this team had. Okay, good. It wasn't good, but he wasn't the biggest problem this team right. had. Great. Now, if you take out a couple of people and you put in uh, Brady, Gronk, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, well, yeah, but at, that, like but, mentioning... but at that point, it's just but at that point, it's just make a different team. If you take yeah. this year's Buccaneers and put them in Patriots uniforms, you... <laughs> um, I don't know how they'd all adjust to the cold, but yeah, I think, and also they'd have to go through the meat grinder that is the AFC East. Although I can't even say that sarcastically anymore because Miami and Buffalo were good this year. Yeah, uh, what you got? Uh, so, well, for one, I want to say I, I I'm not going to claim to not have an axe to grind, but I think including Antonio Brown as a member of that skill group was kind of unfair to every other member of that skill group. I, Antonio he, Brown really he I caught think, he I, caught one in the Super Bowl, but he really did not do all that much for that. That is Bucks true, team. actually. Yeah. Um, they didn't like, very much. I mean, yeah, he showed up halfway through the yeah, year. Yeah, of course he showed up halfway through the year. But and name recognition is going to have him included. But yeah, Antonio that's, that's Brown as a Buccaneer really didn't do all that much. No. Um, so what are we saying, Colin? But while we're talking, I sense a beautiful transition, Colin. Oh yeah, while we're on the subject of all-time franchise and even all-time sports city greats leaving their hometown. We've mentioned him before. We've talked about the football Rasputin that is Jack Easterby. <laughs> the first domino has fallen. J.J. Watt is officially I, a free that agent. Was, was that expected? Like, I, I got that. He was, I think he was expected to be gone. I think people assumed they were going to try to trade him. Yeah. I know he's out of honestly, his prime, but he's, he's going to get a job, right? Yes, somebody gonna, no, somebody will sign him. He's gonna go to the Steelers. If he if he um, wants to play, he's gonna keep playing. He's, and he clearly seems to want to. It based on what I've seen online, it seems like everybody was expecting, you know, JJ Watt doesn't want to go through another rebuilding period. The Texans have effectively reverted. Was it, was it a rebuilding thing, or does he just not want because like I mean I, it's it seems as though it's multifaceted. Okay. He's an aging vet with a really high price tag. He doesn't want to be there in part because he hates the organization at okay. this point. Like, or not the organization. We're, right? we're, we haven't talked to J.J. Watt about this. Yes. Uh, it seems. Well, I don't actually know. I have. Neither have I. Okay. But it seems based on what <laughs> I've seen, and I won't claim to have been speaking for McNair or Easterby. Um, it seems as though he's an aging vet while still very elite. 
but an aging vet with a really high price tag that sees a team that's effectively reverted themselves back to being an expansion team, um, led by people that don't really seem to have a clue. And J.J. Watt doesn't really want to be there. And the Texans don't really want to pay him $20 million to uh, maybe accidentally win them a couple of games. Uh, And they apparently, it's if it's true, and this is going to be a statement that might come back to bite me, but uh, a relatively classy move by the Texans organization to cut him yeah. as opposed to trade him somewhere he does not want to go uh, yeah. to just take your losses, cut him, let him hit free agency, let him go to Pittsburgh so he can play with both of his brothers because we all know that's what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like the Steelers. I'd kind of like that. That'd be nice. Listen, it seems pretty clear he's either going to go home to Green Bay or he's going to join Derek and TJ in Pittsburgh. I really don't see him going anywhere else. I would really like to see if he goes to Green Bay, that would be excellent just because I think being able to watch Khalil Mack and JJ Watt in the same football game twice a year would be excellent. All right. I have, I have a, I've, J, the JJ Watt thing inspired me. I have two questions, one mainly for Colin, and then one is actually a, a Jill suggestion. Uh, for a, for a discussion topic, the first one is I was I was thinking about this and and it just came to mind who I was thinking of. Do you see any parallels? And this is this is not like personally. This is just as a as a player personnel decision maker between Jack Easterby because I'm seeing a parallel between him and Chip Kelly and that he keeps making horrible decisions and getting rid of guys because he does he doesn't want he wants his guys in there. Like well, he he doesn't. He doesn't want it to be like he he doesn't to the detriment of the team. He wants it to be these are my guys that I went out and got, and and I I can but so regardless of whether you agree, can you see sort of the parallel I'm drawing? I, I under it's I under, different reasons that they yeah. do it because Chip Kelly just wanted Oregon guys. Yeah, I, I understand the parallel. I think uh, I you know. I'll never say a good thing about Chip Kelly, but no. this might be accidentally uh, misread as positive <laughs> towards him. And I want to make it clear. I don't mean it as a compliment, but it might sound like one when he's being compared to Jack Easterby of Chip Kelly thought he was dead wrong, but he thought if I get all of my Oregon guys, I will be able to coach my Oregon guys into being a good football team. Okay. I genuinely think Jack Easterby does not care about the football. I think he just wants a group of guys he likes. Well, I think if I had to guess, and I do, because I, I don't know him, but he seems like he seems like he watched Miracle one too many times. And he's, you know, you know, the line in Miracle with with Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. I don't need the best players. I'm just looking for the right ones. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys who thinks like, I'm going to get a ragtag group of evangelical yeah. Christians and we're going to rock up and, and win 12 yeah. games just because of our culture yeah. or whatever. Chip Kelly, and you know, everybody makes a big deal over the Oregon thing. Um, and I think that was definitely part of it. And I, I think it'd be silly to discount it. But I, I do think it was in part an Oregon thing. And I think it was in part uh, people on Philly radio, and I'm going to make it clear that these are not necessarily my opinions, and these are also not necessarily truth, and they are purely conjecture. Some Good people word. claimed there Great was word. some people claimed there was a a racial edge yeah. to his personnel decisions. Um, it seemed like Chip Kelly wanted a group of guys he liked and was going to make that group of guys he liked a football team, and. In that Which sense, is not, there is some logic to that. Yeah. Like bringing in guys you feel like you can coach with. Like I can understand if you take like a little bit of a hit, if it's like, I, I can't think of a good example or just like, if there's a guy who like, okay, he's good. When the Red Sox traded in 2008, the Red Sox traded Manny Ramirez for Jason Bay. And it was like, okay, Manny Ramirez is a better player than Jason Bay. He just is. Mm-hmm. But Jason Bay was going to fit in better. And yeah. be less of a distraction. I think the I think that the bigger, sort of trade I can get behind. I think the bigger difference between Chip Kelly and Jack Easterby, and this is kind of where I'm going to rest it, is at the very least, 
Chip Kelly was making his decisions as a general manager and head coach of a football team. And an actual football person. Yes. Jack Easterby is making these decisions as effectively a, uh, a souped up sake oil snailsman that is whispering into McNair's ear and getting him to do whatever the heck he wants McNair to do. And McNair is doing it. Because uh, at least when Chip Kelly made a bunch of terrible decisions, we could fire him and move on. But Jack Easterby seems to have his hooks in the Texans organization uh, in a way where he might be difficult to dislodge. Maybe when they get rid of Watson and they get rid of Watt and the Texans are terrible for the next three years, it becomes a little easier to shake Easterby off. Maybe it doesn't and they're terrible forever. I don't know. What if I can't this read the future. Though? How terrible would we feel if this, because like, I don't even care if it works. I just don't like, I know Easterby was a Patriots guy from what I've read about him. I don't really like him. If this works, I'm going to be really sad. I am firmly and I will have it on audio and it'll be on recording. And if I ever become a professional, anything, people are going to bring it up, but I will say definitively uh, it won't. Oh, it's, I agree. It's not going to work. Um, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. You can't, you can't do what he's doing. You can put together a dream team by getting an elite unit of guys you like. And I understand the irony of me saying the I understand the irony of me saying the the words a dream team, but you can put together a team of destiny out of guys you like, guys that get along. 2013 Red Sox. But you can't do what Easterby is doing and get rid of, go into an organization, get rid of everybody that's there, no matter how good they are, no matter where they want to go, what they want, and blow it up and then expect to put together a team because yeah. nobody is going to want to sign with the Texans. No. So, no, and nobody, no rookie is going to want to stay with the Texans. Correct. So unless you magically put together the greatest draft class of all time, where every single player is a world beater at their position, even if you do that, all of them as rookies or sophomores, you still have a yeah, huge they're, hurdle to they're, overcome they're to be even a, lot of trouble. a playoff team. So Colin, what was, or Ben, what was this other? Okay. This... So Jill texted me uh, after she listened to last week's episode with a question that I think, I think I've discussed before, but I don't know if I've ever discussed it with you, which is across all sports, what is the best number? Like what number, if you collect all of the players who've worn it, has the best representation. And the reason JJ Watt made me think of that is because I was thinking about 99, because you have obviously mm -hmm. in hockey, in hockey, Gretzky might, 99 might take it just on Gretzky. Yeah, I'd considered that. Sure, but I was thinking 99 because, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, so what, I was, what I was going to say is to, to narrow it down, each of us for our own city should give one. See, because for me, like the first number that popped in my head, as you said, that was 23. Just in all of sports? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a, a, like, there's no, this is one where like, not even do I think there's like no one right answer. I'm like, I don't really think there's any answer where I could be like, no, you're wrong. 23 was also my first bet between Jordan and LeBron. Jordan and LeBron and, um, I'm sure there are others. Oh, Mattingly was 23. It's retired for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Or we can do, if we can, I mean, if you want to do like individual sports, you can think of different ones. Like I don't football, know. I think it, football, I think it has to be 12 just because you have, you have Brady, you have Terry Bradshaw, Rogers, Aaron Rogers, Ken Stabler. Yeah. You could go, you could go anywhere with this. I mean, yeah. 23, then basketball is obviously it's 23, 23. Yeah. I think is basketball. I mean, you could, if LeBron had stayed with the heat, you could make an argument for six because um, you could also make an argument actually. Cause I say for Boston, I always say it's 33 because in my lifetime, Zidane Ochara wore it, Jason Veritek wore it, it's Larry Bird's number, and a few good Patriots have worn it. But 33 is actually surprisingly well represented in basketball because you have Larry Bird, you have Patrick Ewing, yep. Kareem. Um, I think Shaq wore, no, he didn't, he wore 32 in college. No, maybe he did wear 33 in college. Um, so that's, that's like a dark horse one. Baseball, I was I was having a tough time with 
Um, I mean, it's, I feel like it has to be single digits. Yeah. Like, like there's no way it's not. Number was, they didn't even wear numbers until like halfway through like Babe Ruth's career. Yeah. Like there's plenty. Actually, 24 could be up there just on Willie Mays and Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. 24 is up there. I mean, you have, because I'm trying to think you get like. Like Babe Ruth was number three because he batted third. Yeah. That's like where that came from. So like. Yeah. But I mean, you have like, but it's an interesting question just because you think about it. And also you think about like, does, because you could argue like, okay, there are probably more good players who have won 33 than 23, but does that outweigh the fact that like arguably the two greatest players of all time were 23 in basketball? All right. I just looked up baseball hall of famers by uniform number. So I don't know what list this is, but like Hank Aaron was 44. Reggie Jackson was 44. Reggie Jackson wore a bunch of different numbers though. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing too, is like sometimes people wear different numbers. Like LeBron wore different numbers. Yeah. Wore different numbers. He wore different. Oh yeah. I guess he did. He was 45. I always forget. He was 45 and he was 12 for a game once. For a game. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Here, MLB greatest players to wear jersey numbers one through fifty-seven. So like Ozzie Smith. Number fifty-seven is going to be Johan Santana, isn't it? How many of these single digiters are Yankees? Ozzie Smith was not. Derek Jeter, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, and then we get a break. We get Stan Musial. Then we go Mickey Mantle, Cal Ripken Jr., Ted Williams, Chipper Jones, Barry Larkin. Chipper Jones is the best number ten. Uh, that's what they had. Honorable I feel mentions. Like that. I'm reading one that has Lefty Grove at ten. Honorable mentions: Phil Rizzuto, Miguel Tejada. The honorable mentions have Chipper Jones. Yeah. Staub, Michael Young, Adam Jones, <laughs> eleven Barry Larkin. Yeah, you see that you sort of end up because you you get you didn't have the guys wearing like the higher numbers. Thirteen <laughs> Alex Rodriguez, Billy Wagner, Omar Vizquel, and Carl Crawford. Well, because you have, well, also because you have, like, in soccer, you have, like, it's not as rigid anymore, but the numbers are, like, and in, in, I mean, football, I guess you have two, but, like, the numbers are associated with positions. The greatest number 18 in baseball history, they have Johnny Damon. Well, that's just silly. I mean, it's it's Daisuke Matsuzaka. It's obviously Hiroki Kuroda, but okay. (laughs) Like, 19, they have Tony Gwynn, which is a good one. That's This is Bob Feller. As number 19. Yeah. That's a toss-up. I honestly think like those two guys just between era and position are so hard to compare. Yeah, Ben, ben no offense to your mom. Like this is such a this is this topic could go anywhere. Oh, I know, but like it's so, it's fun to think about. So I would I would ask to to narrow it down. Let's not talk all sports in general. I think if you could pick off the top of your head, and I'll admit Ben and I have talked about this, so I have a little bit of thinking behind it. Top of your head for the four teams you cheer for, pick a number. If you if you had to guess Yankees, Giants, Rangers, Knicks, or just New York in general, like there don't even have to be Rangers and Knicks. Number ten stands out. You got Eli because Eli's obviously like important to me. Eli, Phil Rizzuto, uh, two just because of Derek Jeter, um, and uh, Larry Johnson and Raymond Felton. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I just had to flex my Knicks knowledge. For Philly, I think it's fairly easy. It's kind of hard to disagree with 20 uh, between Schmidt, Dawkins, and Chris Pronger, all three Hall of Famers. Two of them Hall of Famers on their team alone. Chris Pronger, Hall of Famer aggregate career. Uh, His career did end with us uh, due to a a grisly, grisly eye injury. Um, Yeah, I think, I don't think any Sixer has worn 20. I that was exceptionally noteworthy based on what I've looked up. If memory serves, yeah, Mark Messi, Marshall Fultz were 20, Timothy Luau Cabarro. Um, let's see, are there any names I even recognize here? Leon Wood could play a little bit. Yeah. Doug Collins was a good coach. I mean, I think it's hard to say any number that has three Hall of Famers in three different sports all yeah. wore that number. It's hard to go somewhere else. Um, you know, there's, there's other numbers you could argue. 
Um, Bobby Clark was 15, right? 16. Oh, okay. But, well, in that case, never mind. Yeah, 16 doesn't really hold up for most of the other yeah. sports based on what I've seen. I would probably go for Philly. I would give it 20, I think, between the three of them, three Hall of Famers, three sports. All right. And so, you have Markel Fultz. So which, my number's higher. I win. Boston rules. What's your number? 33. 33. Yeah. Okay. Understandable. Um, yeah. It's such a, it's an interesting question, but it's so hard because it asks you to quantify of like, what's more important to all time greats yeah. for one sport, but nobody for anybody else or three, re- like four really good players, but nobody. That's I actually, like- I actually, now that I thought about it, I actually think I agree with Zach for New York that it would be Jeter just because like, there are not a ton of people in sports who have been so associated with their jersey number as Derek Jeter. Well, like young, a bunch 12. of young, yeah, No, I, I, <laughs> I said there have been many, but just like the number of young shorts or we're not even that young anymore. Like the number of shortstops who are coming up through pro systems who wear number two. And it's like, why do you wear number two? And it's like Derek Jeter. Like I have my own personal thoughts on him. The dude's an icon. And like, he would, like, it, if you think of, like, number 10 in New York, like, nobody would call, like, he is number 10, Eli Manning. But Derek Jeter, you think of, um, what's his Bob name? Shepard. Bob Shepard. I mean. Number I, two, yeah. Derek Jeter. He had to say it twice for something. for the Yankees, the shortstop, number two, Derek Jeter, number two. Ooh. Yes. Um, he also had the old school accent where it's like, are you British? And I was like, no, you're just old and weird. That's the yeah. transatlantic accent. The tra- how is it? I was going to say mid-Atlantic and I was like, no, we're in the mid-Atlantic. But I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't remember what it was. Yes, transatlantic, like that accent Madonna pretended to have. Yeah, why did she do that? What, what was <laughs> up, Madonna? We could, ask what, we could ask why she did a lot of things, including dating Dennis Rodman, I believe Jose Canseco, and Alex Rodriguez. So really not many. Well, hockey's going on, I guess. Uh, but I was going to say well, no. Well, uh, Bruins won tonight. Depending on who you ask, hockey is not going on. Hockey yeah. is currently in the throes of a very bad COVID pandemic. Oh, see, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, so. <laughs> no way, hockey too? The North, first the whole world and now <laughs> yeah the north division the north division which is all canadian teams is actually oh, pretty good as it stands right now they haven't broke um originally what happened it happened in in central united states with the central division getting shut down um, the whole division or just some teams uh most of the teams in okay. the central division um and everything looked like it was going to be fine for everybody else and then the gosh dang new jersey devils decided to ruin the entire Eastern division by giving the Flyers COVID and then the Flyers gave the Caps COVID. Uh, and now most of the Eastern division is shut down because the state of New Jersey couldn't help itself. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy. I was going to say, what are some bold predictions uh, for this week? Um, or do you want to do no more jobs first? I don't really have a no more. I do have a no more job. Let's, let's do bold predictions first, just so I can, I can circle back around. I think I said it last week, but just again, and I can actually segue into my no more jobs, which is everybody who didn't hire Eric. Bia. Actually, no, I have a specific no more jobs this week. Um, bold prediction. Um, I'll do my bold prediction and my, uh, and my, my no more jobs in one, no more jobs to urban Meyer for hiring the absolute scumbag ex-strength coach from the University of Iowa, who's oh, like- he did? Yep. Oh, no. Yep. Oh. He, this dude was like, per, like personally, yeah. I don't actually remember if it was physically, but like racially abused players, verbally abused players, just an awful guy. Like he'd been there for like 25 years. Like clearly, clearly- even if you wanted to say like, oh, you know, that's just how strength coaches are. Mm. Like, it's not, it's so obvious what a jerk this guy is, which is the word I'll, I'll use while we're recording. Um, and just to, to, it's just like, if you're gonna, cause he gave a press conference and he was trying to, I'd have more respect for him if he if Urban Meyer hired him and said we don't care, 
We are the Jacksonville. I am the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do not care about the mental well-being of my players. I do not care about the feelings of the people whose career this guy ruined. I am here to win football games. And I think he is the strength coach who is best equipped to do that. If he said that, I'd hate him, but at least I'd be like, okay, you're being honest. Like I would rather in these situations when you hire some, like don't ignore it and don't pretend to justify it. Like it's the same way, like the like people around the Buccaneers who came out and they were like, we're, Antonio Brown is a changed man and he deserves a second No, 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 no. Just say, we're here to win football games and we don't care. That's not okay. No. But at least, but at least it's honest. And at least I can sit there going, at least I don't have to sit there going, are you actually this much of an idiot? Or do you just recognize that you only need to get through this four day news cycle of people being mad about this? Yeah. And then, so, I mean, in terms of like, especially because he's been around football forever. The number of guys he knows who can be strength coaches. So this is just saying like, not only do I want to hire this guy, I want to hire him so much. I don't care about negative press. I don't care about the fact that he's a scumbag. I don't care about the fact of the message this sends to other players who feel like they've been victimized by coaches and to other coaches who feel like they say, you know what? I feel like this attitude will help me win football games. And hey, even if it ruins lives, it's not going to cost me a job and I don't care. Yeah. So I think like, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, what about the message it sends to kids? Like, I'm not one of those people, like, people who get mad about, like, like Joe Buck when Randy Moss pretended to moon the crowd. A disgusting act. A disgusting act. The children are what? Shut up. That I don't care about. But this is actually something where it's like, this is sending the wrong message to the wrong people and the wrong message to, like, the feeling we all had yes. when, when Old Miss hired. Yeah, when like it's it's that's a very good parallel. It's when Ole Miss hired Durkin, you're just like, don't and then they tried to they did the oh, same I thing. Oh, I feel bad for what happened. They to did him the same thing they always do. Yes, they go for what he went through. And it's like, no, you caused this. Yes. Yes, a media yes, a media circus is hard to go through. If you are unjustifiably put through a media circus, like if you like, if somebody like hacks your computer and steals personal photos or whatever, and you have to go through a media circus. That is something you went through. If you abuse players verbally, racially, making people quit the sport who got to the point where they can play for a solid Big Ten program and you can make them quit the sport. And I guarantee you, these guys, if you're playing college football, you're mentally tough and you've had people yell at you before. So that's just perspective on, on how bad this guy was. And, and if you're at that level and you have to quit, you're just, I mean. My guess it, is you're not, you, you don't like this guy. No, I don't like him. And I've, I've never really liked Urban Meyer, but it's just the, it's the number of people. It's, it's also because it's so easy to do the right thing here. Cause this isn't, if you hire someone, like if it's, it was harder for Iowa. Cause if you have someone hired, and things come out about them. You have to weigh like, okay, what message does firing him send? And what does this do? And what does that do? You, like, he didn't have a verbal agreement with this guy going back months. They hadn't signed him already. He chose to go out of his way to bring this guy in. And I think, I think it's just the going out of his way and then the weak justifications that I find like incredibly hard to swallow. And just like, I, I mean, there's been a ton of questions about the kind of people Urban Meyer brings into his football teams. And I think he's not helping himself here. And my bold prediction is that this story is going to go away within three days. Unfortunately, I don't think that prediction is as bold. No, as it's the, not. But the title would claim. It's not at all, but just like, it's bold. And it's bold in that I want to believe. But if you, this is one of those, like, again, like the thing where, it's, it's even different from like when, when they briefly reinstated Durkin and then fired him. This is, he was outside. So you thought through all of this. And then we're like, we don't care. Colin, bold prediction. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much of a 
bold prediction to be honest i mean in the nfl you want, you want me to generate one for you i mean uh, liverpool plays leicester city tomorrow morning 7 30 a.m what's the score uh zero zero yeah that's probably right <laughs> guessing <laughs> guessing for a soccer score zero zero uh, probably i will say in what seems to be the never-ending uh qb cycle that there will be a shoe that drops in the coming week somebody big uh, for somebody will be moved, um, be it Watson, Wentz, Wilson has been on the hill. I don't think trading, he's going trading anywhere. Will, trading Wilson would put the Seahawks like only like a step and a half above the Texans. Yeah. That's a terrible trade. Oh, I, I don't see it going anywhere, but there is <laughs> there are reports of Wilson was like, hey, the blocking sucks. And the ownership was like, hey. Don't say bad things about the organization. And Wilson is like, hey. Uh, they're blocking. Block. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one, welcome that to that Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. That was another thing people were being on Mahomes for saying like, oh, my team didn't play well enough. And I was like, there are t- like, you have to watch the game because there are times when a guy can come out and be like, our team didn't play well enough. And I'm like, yeah, that's just telling the truth. Or you can be like, oh, we didn't play well enough. And I'm like, well, you went four for 30. Yeah. And like, you weren't even close. So, so it's really context dependent on those. And Russell Wilson has every right. He could walk into the office, like take his shirt off and have a tattoo that just says, I need blockers. Yeah. I, I, I think Seattle would be dumb to do it, but But Wilson's name wouldn't surprise me. Wilson's name has popped up on the carousel. Uh, You know, Watson, obviously Wentz, obviously Nick Foles is weirdly popped up (laughs) on the cycle. I've seen Matt Ryan popping up on the cube. I also saw Matt Ryan. Um, so I'm projecting. Jared Goff dealt again. Oh God, <laughs> poor guy. So I'm not going to go so far as to give a name, but I think one of the shoes is going to drop in the coming week, uh, and that will reset the market again. After now I the hope Goff there's a Stafford small. Game. Now I hope there's a small QB trade so we can debate whether or not you're right. Well, <laughs> just like, just like, yes, it was a trade, but it was. Tyrod Taylor to the Cowboys. Yeah, and I, I think more than anything, my, um, my no more jobs is going to go to McNair uh, from the Texans. Figure it out, Cal. And I, and I understand it, it. It seems like dogpiling at a certain extent, but <laughs> I think the biggest thing, you know, outside of the obvious, more than anything that rubbed <laughs> me the wrong way today is that in the wake of all this JJ Watt stuff, people were like, "So what does this mean for Watson, and what does this mean for the team moving forward?" And he's like, "Hey." This is about honoring J.J. Watt. We're not talking about anything. It's like, no, no. You don't get to cut your city's greatest sports legend, arguably in the history of the city, and then be like, yeah, well, uh, that means that you're not allowed to be mean to me today. Uh, <laughs> this is about this is about. That's not uh, what you, you honoring, don't get to do that. This is about honoring Nolan Arenado uh, and those $50 million. Yeah, you so we have to... tweeted an individual tribute to each of the $50 million. Yeah. You don't get to do something completely boneheaded and be like, yeah, well, I did that. Now is not the time to speak about the future. I did that and I'm sad about it. So don't ask me questions <laughs> about the boneheaded thing I'm going to yeah. do tomorrow. Like, uh, come on, dude. Uh, my bold prediction is that, uh, so the MLB this week announced that they're going to do seven inning double headers. Um, I like seven inning doubleheaders. No, expanded playoffs or no, I forget. No. Uh, what no, I saw I, was I think they're no. back to just the, the Oh yeah, it was it was seven inning doubleheaders. No word yet, no decision yet on expanded playoffs, but they're leaning no. No universal DH and uh runner starts on second runner starts on second and extra innings. Uh, I don't love I don't love that, but I feel it's like weird, but I get it. You're yeah, to I get it for COVID. If if COVID? like once like COVID is, is officially like you know, there's no risk of getting it more than like a normal. <laughs> no, but like once there's no increased risk, I don't. Yeah. And like fan and like stadiums are full capacity. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want that to stick around forever. I yes. get due to COVID having that, trying to wrap up the and game. the seven inning doubleheaders. Like, I get it, and especially seven with seven doubleheaders, I'm fine and, with. And around. because of like oh, that. And if seven inning oh, doubleheaders stay, I don't really have that big an issue with. Seven inning doubleheaders, I almost like because I feel like you can go with a seven inning doubleheader you could more easily go like, I want them to start doing like the old school thing of like, okay, it's like a one and four thirty double header. You buy one ticket and you're at the ballpark. Yeah. They do that sometimes still like the Yankees brought that back a few years ago, whenever yeah, they- like that I think is awesome. But the run, yeah, 
the universal DH, like I genuinely, I know you guys have very differing opinions. So I, well, listen, my bold prediction, it. my bold prediction is that they'll change it and put in the universal DH before the season starts. They better not. I hope not. Just let for the pitchers hit. It's if yeah. Joe Blanton can hit a home run yeah. in the World Series, any pitcher can hit anything. I love. I think the way I would get over it is I would just watch compilations of of old videos of pitchers hitting. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I would, I would. It is fun, but the the quality. If don't hit. You lose that whole Otani thing where no, he was you lose, crazy. Yes. And like you, you. I think. I think the difference is it's a difference between. I think game. I think with the universal DH games are consistently well, better. Colin, Colin, with Otani individual moments. Colin, yeah. Colin, Otani never hits on the day he's he's pitching. Well, does he not? No. I Oh, I didn't know that. Otani, when he just didn't know that. Or I guess because then you don't have a DH when he comes out. That's fair. I forget the Angels. I hadn't thought of that. When Otani pitches, he. So do I. That's Otani plays like five games a week. Basically, I think he hits. I think he's the DH three days a week. Yeah, they never have him field. The day before and the day after his start, he doesn't play. Okay. But so my, my only thing with the universal DH is I think the average quality of a game goes up, but I think the highs of having a pitcher do crazy stuff at the plate is, is worth kind of having the free out of a pitcher. Like watching a pitcher work like an eight pitch at bat. Is that is so, excellent. It's so, even if they strike out. I actually a, like that better than when they get a hit. Yeah. Like a pitcher that comes up there and wants to hit Just is battling. so much fun. To the point where, like, yeah, but it's so rare, is what I'm saying. No, I, but, but it's the difference. I think you end up at the same. I, I would be willing to say, and, and it may be just for me, I think you end up at the same, like, you end up at an emotional 50. But the difference is, I think with the DH in the NL, you just get put at a 50 and you're just like, okay, this is baseball and it's pretty normal. And then if you if you don't have it, you have is like, okay, I'm at zero for a while. I'm at zero for a very long time. And then Bartolo Colon hits a homer, and I'm up at 1,700, and exactly. then I'm back down. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, you know. But the Bartolo Colon homer has kept me, I, I mean, I'm not consistently in a good mood. I, it happened in 2016, and I'm smiling thinking about it now. Yeah, my, my only thing with the DH is I, I want to keep it, Keep it to the leagues. I, I also because the the fact that the two leagues have different rules is in itself a weirdness of Major League Baseball that I like. Yeah, I, I I would understand. I would be upset, but I would get it. Like I understand why they're pushing for the universal DH. But as a kid who grew up watching pitchers hit and watching some of the wacky stuff that happens when you let pitchers hit, like Cliff Lee going yard on a day game is always just a weird thing to think about. Okay, and but like, one 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 question. Would you enjoy, I feel like you could really get behind being a, a like nostalgia guy of a like in my like I feel back like in I my see, day, no, Joe Blanton hit a home run. I can see not even not even like in a grumpy way. I can see you like taking a future generation of the coin family to the ballpark and explaining just like when the DH comes up. You're just like, you know, when I was a kid, I would go to these games and in the nine spot, the pitcher would just hit. And they would be like, that feels stupid. And you would be like, now, normally it was. Yes, it was. Absolutely it was. But sometimes. But every once in a while. But sometimes the fat number five pitcher would get some (laughs) good wood on it. And man, would that ball fly. (laughs) CC Sabathia has a couple of career home runs. Exactly. Like, it's it's look Look at him. CC Sabathia is, is built to hit tanks see see, like when he would when he was on the brewers for like three months he like hit three home runs and was like what (laughs) and he was like yeah i had a home run with him once in a video game that was was the brewers was like peak fat cc oh and he was so good although i do highly suggest i know you guys aren't yankee fans but uh um cc sabathia the documentary on netflix or on hbo max is fantastic goes into his mental health and alcoholism and addiction and stuff it's really good stuff if you have time I'll, I'll probably check it out um yeah like even if you hate him like it'll give you a different side of him there is one scene I where he dresses yeah, up. i can never bring myself to hate cc sabathia there is there is one scene where he dresses as yoda and just drives himself to a game but i can't give you any more than that <laughs> um pedro once wore a yoda mask in the dugout all right, I feel like we've gotten off topic from what was yeah, supposed to be the wrap-up. 
My number one jobs is the Lombardi Trophy for not falling in the water when Tom Brady threw it. Oh, that, that would have been, been amazing. so amazing. <laughs> Somebody would have dove in after it, and it would and it would have been gross. But my more jobs. My more jobs. Laying down a bunt with the Lombardi Trophy. My, my, I have a more jobs. My more jobs is drunk Tom Brady. Let that man do more. <laughs> Let that man be drunk in public more often. Uh, it, I, I laughed. And nobody, and like nobody, yeah, that, yeah. kids. nobody was like no. you're setting a bad. Everyone was like, "Yeah, when you win, you're supposed to celebrate." Uh, but the, 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 that was the one thing that made me sad. Just to return to the very beginning, and we can leave on this because I wish with all my heart that I could have seen at just one of the parades him that level of drunk with Gronk and Julian Edelman. I think that would have been the peak experience of my entire life. All right. Well, that, we can end this show. I'm going to do my weekly shout out to my people at the Broad Street Buzz. It's a little slow right now because the flyers are down. Got a lot of good peeps, a lot of good writers, a lot of good articles. Be sure to check it out. Check out Zach if you happen to be in North Carolina. Or He's have internet. The, or have He's, internet. He's on, on, He's on the line. Uh, check out North Carolina News with our boy Zach. W-E-C-T, uh, or as I like to call it, Whack! 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 Whack